have with me a, a fellow patriot, and I just love to say that about him because he unabashedly loves this country and he loves the profession of law enforcement. He was a, a police officer and now he's a media guy who is trying to get the good word out there about the law enforcement profession. Ray Dietrich, welcome to the show. Hey, Betsy, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Ray, you have your hands in, in so many different things. And, uh, and so I, let's talk about uh, Red Voice Media and, and how you're, you're kind of busting open the pro-police stories out there and you're getting out a lot of truth that I think a lot of the rest of the mainstream media doesn't care to even get out there, right? Right. I mean, we're always fighting the false narrative against law enforcement. So the, the short story is, you know, basically, I think in 2016 or 17, actually before that, 15, whenever the Baltimore riots were, um, I started these pro-police pages on Facebook and, and started to expose what was actually occurring rather than the false narratives through Ferguson and, and all, all the divide that was getting driven. We, you know, I was able to grow Facebook pages to, to over two and a half million followers um, we experienced a bunch of, of censorship, which forced us to build a website. And, and basically, you know, we've, we've created a, a site in Red Voice Media that houses law enforcement and conservative politics fighting those narratives. And a big part of that is in Thin Blue Line TV. And we show the body cams. Like we, we have a team that digs and shows the reality of, of what a violent encounter looks in, in law enforcement, not just the ones that they cherry pick that don't look great. Um, and, and, you know, having that platform, we've been able to reach millions and millions of people, you know, per month doing that. And I think that that small thing is important to just drive the narrative that, that police are not just racist killers that, and you would believe that if you watch just the mainstream media news. So that's, that's what we're trying to do at Red Voice and at Thin Blue Line TV. Um, and, uh, you know, we think we're doing a, a good job so far. We're, we're just getting started out over there. Now, Ray, the National Police Association, we have experienced some big tech censorship, especially on Facebook. Um, and you guys have had some experience with that as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a constant battle. Uh, Facebook, you know, when I when I left uh, my department uh, five years ago, you know, I've been in this space full time ever since. And, and at first we used social media platforms to house everything because we thought, hey, we're like normal people. We can put pictures and photos and write stories and, and you know, people will see them. Uh, well, they did it first. And then we've experienced since then. We've been demonetized on 25 uh, Facebook pages and had them unpublished and, and the probably 80% of them were, were law enforcement communities. We've lost three to YouTube channels. And the ones that we don't lose, like say we have a channel with 75,000 subscribers that used to get you know, 10, 30, 50,000 views per video. Now they'll show about a thousand people. So they, they just systematically choose what content fits the narrative of big tech and big media. And anything that's against that, including pro law enforcement content is just kind of stifled and pushed to the side. So you know, and that's the big thing, why we created Red Voice. It's, it's based on a private server. It can't be canceled. We have private advertisers. We don't have Google pulling the plug on us. We, we can't be demonetized now so that we feel like we can expand our operation. Now, Ray, explain to people what demonetization means on social media, because this, is a, this has affected a lot of people's livelihood, this big tech censorship. Can you briefly explain what that means? Sure. So, I mean, if, if you're doing media work at all, if you're putting out content, like 
it's a job. It, it does pay bills. We have a team that, that need to survive and, and get paid so they can feed their families. The way we do that is, is through advertising. Like on, on YouTube, there'll be the pop-up video. On, on Facebook, we were doing in-stream ads. On our website, we have ads all over it. People complain about it, right? Oh, you have so many ads. Yeah, because we have a team to pay, right? But the problem is if, when you don't have your own site and you're relying on Facebook, YouTube, you know, these big people, big companies that don't like law enforcement is that they just simply say, you know what, we're just going to cancel your, your income. And, and we've had, you know, revenue streams of 40,000 a month just get turned off overnight without any reason. There's no appeal, no recourse. There's, there's no reason, you know, given or violation of their community standards. So they basically just pull the plug on, on pro-law enforcement conservative accounts at will because they don't like it and they don't want us to survive out here. Ray, how did American law enforcement get so politicized in the way that it is now? I would lay that one square on the shoulders of Barack Obama. Um, I mean, Ferguson, the false narrative, the hands up, don't shoot, that came out of that. They rode with it, kept going with it. They pulled BLM out of every election cycle to, to continue this, to divide people. Um, and I think it's a division technique. You know, it pushes this whole critical race theory that, that they try to push down everybody's throat. They push this, this thing that, you know, cops are racist killers and white supremacist, you know, organizations. And, and the more they have pushed this narrative, and, you know, it started with Obama, in my opinion, it just gets more divisive, more divisive. And now you see the mainstream media piling on with the same thing. You know, there's very few exceptions. And they're painting this picture of law enforcement as just being this out of control system that does nothing but shoot unarmed black men. And, and that's not the case at all. And some of that's, you know, fueled by the advertising industry that I just spoke of, like, because they know that the, the big, the big hits and clicks and views and, and eyeballs are going to get from, from a, a body cam video, you know, one, one video a year or two videos a year out of the, the millions and millions and millions of contacts that occur on body cam every day. They know that they're going to get big ratings from that. And they push that narrative and politicians pile on it. And here we are. Well, and, and the, the Obama administration, I mean, they were so uh, damaging to American law enforcement. The National Police Association actually has a, has a new book out uh, called The Obama Gang. And, and in that book, our author Steve Pomper talks about how that all came to be. And again, as a, as a law enforcement officer in Illinois, Barack Obama was my senator. And, and I didn't pay a lot of attention to the guy until we began to realize how much he hated law enforcement in Illinois. And, and quite frankly, he brought that hatred to the White House and he brought some of those, you know, Chicago style politics to the White House as well. And, and disinformation was one of the biggest things that we saw from that administration, disinformation when it comes to law enforcement. Ray, let's talk about what the truth is behind law enforcement use of force and uh, racial statistics. Because again, if you watch the mainstream media, you know, you, you, you tune into the nightly news, you think that American law enforcement is out there hunting down young unarmed black men every single day, uh, you know, to use force against them. That's just not true, right? No, it's not true. And, and, and that narrative is based upon people not wanting to talk about the truth because they're afraid that they'll be painted as a racist or they're afraid it'll cause uncomfortable you know, conversations. But 
that you hear out there that you know uh, black men, unarmed black men, are disproportionately shot by by police officers, um, and the crime statistics, the, the FBI data that that backs this tells a different story. Now, the one thing that the FBI data will show is that more black men are shot by the police than 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 white sometimes, or at a higher um, as a higher proportion to to their population. Okay, so the numbers they shoot more white people. Okay, that's number one, but Per, per population percentages, the, the ratio to, to black males being shot is higher. But they don't want to talk about the other side of it. Like, what would cause that? Why, why is that? They, they default to, oh, it's racist. Well, it's not. So the, the big argument from BLM and, and everyone on that side is that, you know, you're shooting more people that are black. Well, I've got some statistics I love to share. I don't get it often to share them because nobody is... is is willing to publish these statistics usually, but let's break this down. So the population is 60% white and 13.4% black in America, right? So these are 2019 FBI crime stats. For a 13.4% population of blacks, 55.9% of all homicides were committed by blacks. Okay, so you're seeing um, six times the rate almost of, of blacks committing violence and murders than whites. So why can't people understand that that is a direct connection to why black men are shot more by the police because they're unfortunately more likely to commit violent crimes and murders. So instead of blaming all of the reasons on police, we need to address these real problems. And we have a massive problem with, with crime in, in black and brown communities. We need to figure out how we can fix that. And, and the last thing you can do is pull out the police because we know what will happen as they're defunded, as, as, as less boots are on the ground, as less special programs are in there to address gang violence, um, it's going to get worse. And as you, you vilify and target police officers, in, in the meantime, what they're going to do is the smart thing and probably sit in their car and, and not do proactive police work, which is going to make these numbers skyrocket even beyond what we're seeing, like the shootings that are up over 100% in most major cities, violent crimes are up, you know, 30% or more. Um, the real problem is, I mean, you know, it, it's it's 91% of, of blacks murdered are killed by other blacks, not the police. Okay, 91%. So what's happening in, in these, these communities? Instead of being afraid to talk about the truth that there's more violence being committed in these, so yes, police are going to have more violent encounters. It only makes sense that since they're in the same communities, that would happen. What can we do to solve the problem? They're not interested in solving the problem, though, Betsy. They're interested in producing fear and hatred and division so they can get votes. And I'm talking about the left and the Democrats. This is about vote giving. This is about vote for us because we hate the police and they're the problem and, and you're a victim. No, there's massive crime problems and you need police with smart strategies and communities to get behind them to actually fix it. Otherwise, nothing will change and the direction we're on now will just make it far worse. And it's so sad because the law abiding people who live in those poor neighborhoods, they, they're gonna have no one to call. And, and right. that's I me, mean, I look at my native Chicago and it makes me so sad. I have one one kid who still lives in Chicago, she's gonna be moving at the end of the summer because although she loves the city, she's tired of the crime and frankly, she's tired of the politics. And it's incredibly frustrating for people who wanna just get on with their lives 
enjoy that urban area because Chicago is a really fun city to, to go to. But it's just been taken over by Black Lives Matter and by the gangs and the law-abiding citizens in all neighborhoods of all races are, are quite frankly just at the mercy of the gangs. Yeah, I mean, I did I did my patrol training in South Central Los Angeles, right? Like, in in unincorporated Compton is basically where I cut my teeth, and and I worked in that environment. I've worked those kinds of neighborhoods, you know, through my career. Those the vast majority of people there want the protection of the police. They're good people trying to go to work. You know, they may either not want to move or they can't afford to move or whatever it is, but they're painted as as the police are just out killing people and it's just not right. And what's gonna happen is those people are gonna suffer and you're seeing the mass exodus of officers from these big blue departments, these big cities, and they're all running to Idaho, Arizona, California, Florida. What happens when all the good ones leave? It's, this is just a mess. They're already starting to lower higher standard or lower hiring standards, which is gonna cause this problem to compound and be even worse. You know, in the, the bad apple, yeah, out of 850,000 active police officers, there, there's going to be some incidents. It's human. Like, the, it, there's no way around that. But when the media focuses in on and, and exploits just that, I mean, they're, they're going to destroy the, all urban centers in America at, at this rate. How do you think we're going to recruit young people to this profession? What do you think it's going to take, Ray? I think it's going to have to take a change in, in the, the political climate in this country targeting police. Uh, you know, I'm a fourth generation. I, I was a fourth generation deputy sheriff when I started LA County Sheriff. Um, my whole entire family wrapped up in this. And I would not recommend my, my daughter, my two daughters or my son to be, become a police officer anymore. I just wouldn't. I, I wouldn't put them through this. I wouldn't put them through the, the risk of, you know, losing everything for, for doing the right thing, you know, and being targeted in docks and have your family. I think it just has to be some some truth behind this. I think we have to address the real problem. I think that's how we get past it is maybe actually looking for ways to address the crime problem that drives all this violence and drives violent encounters with law enforcement. But, you know, dividing the country in half and telling, you know, half the country the police are, are evil terrorist killers is, is not going to make it to where anyone wants to do this job. And the problem is, as you know, they still have to put people in these patrol cars. They still have to field people in these beats. They have to. So they're going to lower their hiring standards, lower and lower and lower to get people in. And then you're going to get people in that shouldn't be cops at all. And, and it's just it's worse and worse and worse. I, we have to we have to be honest about the problem before we can fix it. Well, and with the, the new defund the police movement and reimagining policing, you know, now we're taking, for example, St. Louis just lost four million dollars out of their budget. Um, their their representative, Corey Bush, uh, you know, celebrated the fact that they eliminated almost 100 police positions. So those those positions will never happen. They took four million dollars out of the budget. She is and Black Lives Matter are celebrating this. And yet over 90 percent of the homicides in St. Louis are committed by African-Americans and African-Americans are also primarily the victims. So, again, if black lives really mattered, why would defunding your police department be a good idea? And, and yet, like you said, so we're going to have lesser qualified police officers, not as many police officers, you know, thanks to this anti-cop narrative. What do you think when we talk about defunding and that's happening in, in all the big cities you talked about, all the urban areas, you know, Seattle, Portland, Chicago, New York, L.A., um, Austin, Texas, they're all, St. Louis, they're all being defunded. And so now as we call for more police training, 
we talk, we call for better educated police officers. And yet that costs money, doesn't it, Ray? Yeah. And, and, you know, anyone who's been around law enforcement knows the very first thing that's cut when a budget gets cut is training. Always training is gone. You know, you can go from a good training budget to a no training budget very quickly. And that's the thing that they need to double down on. I, I'm, I'm somebody who, who thinks that, you know, police officers should, should take martial arts training often, you know, even if it's once a week, I think it would, it would cause less shootings. I think it would, it would cause a lot less injuries. Um, the other big problem though, on top of all this, it's not just BLM, it's, it's DAs that shouldn't be DAs in this country. And we've let it happen. We've watched it happen. And people have been okay with having your Chase of Bodines, your George Gascones, these literally Soros-backed DAs that want to up, up in the justice system. They're, they're literally dismantling the criminal justice system from the inside by failing to prosecute. They won't prosecute, you know, hardly any crimes. Look at California. You can do about anything you want here now. But if a police officer does something like Chase Boudin, I think he's, he's prosecuted three cops for manslaughter uh, in the last year. Okay. But he won't do anybody until we can put all these pieces together and American can be honest and say, Hey, look, our DAs need to be putting people in jail so they don't commit more crimes and hurt people. And we need to actually support the police who are out there, you know, risking their life every single day in these communities, trying to make it better and stop telling people in the communities that the racist killers are trying to get them every day and tell them the truth and, and work on the problem. But I, I, I don't know how this ends. I, and that's a terrible thing to say. Um, I would like to think that we could turn it around. I, I would like to think that the majority of Americans support the police and, and even more would support the police if they are told the truth. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what, how long that's gonna take. I've been being told the pendulum's gonna swing back the other way for, for 25 years. So I still haven't seen it. Do you think people need to get more involved in their local elections, Ray? 100%. I, I think that's one of the keys to all of this. I think your local elections fix your prosecutors. They, you can elect good sheriffs. Like the sheriff, the constitutional sheriff has saved us, you know, through this pandemic, all these things. There were some great sheriffs. Like one of my, I worked with Riverside County with Chad Bianco. He came out early as the sheriff of Riverside County and, and you know, basically said, hey, we're not going to arrest people for enforcing ma mask mandates. This isn't our job. Electing the right sheriff or electing the right DA, electing the right people on your school board so your kids can go to school. That is how you win. You know, electing the president is big. I understand that. You know, National offices are big, but the real change happens local. If Chicago police had the support of, of the city, the administration, and had a DA that actually filed charges and put people in jail, you would see a difference in Chicago. Those Chicago cops are under attack from their own administration, their own DA's office, their own community. They have everyone against them. I don't blame the Chicago cops at all for not trying to proactively solve these problems on their own, but they're in a no-win situation. If they had the support of the community, the DA's office and politicians, they could actually make an impact, but they're, not, they're, they're setting them up to be in a lose situation. Yeah, and, it, and, and who suffers besides the cops, the citizens? Yeah, those are the only ones. And, and that's that's another great point. The only people that actually suffer from all this ridiculous woke policy against the police, the only ones that suffer are the ones who live there and the cops that patrol the neighborhood. These politicians don't know what happens. They don't they don't understand the violence that, that occurs in these neighborhoods and how fast it occurs and how often it occurs. They have no idea. They don't live there. They don't go there. They may show up for an event, but they're not staying there at night listening to the gunshots. I've literally worked neighborhoods where kids slept in, in bathtubs because of drive-by shootings. You know, and that was normal for them. Politicians have no idea of the level of violence. So in, in, until we, we, we really 
trying to help the people that live there and the people that serve there. Like, what are we doing? How is it that you are able to get these body cams and, and you're, you're able to get a lot more detail, I think, than most media outlets are. How do you do that? You know, I have a great team. I have an awesome team. Like we run a news desk and, and I have a couple of people that just search stories all the time. They're always digging. You know, we, we may have a few uh, informants, you know, scattered through law enforcement. We, we uh, pick up some information on and, and and they know that they can trust us because the, the, the police side of the story needs to get told. You can't fight a false narrative without fact, without truth, without the videos that we provide. I think we've already just today, it's, it's midday and, and you know, we, we've put out three, three stories already, like three body cam stories every single day, every single day we're putting these out. Um, we try to tell the truth about the shootings. We try to, to honor the, the officers that, that get injured or killed. And, and it's important to us. And, you know, the, there's a few other sites and media outfits that are doing that absolutely well. But, you know, there's definitely room for, for more. And, you know, just getting the truth out on law enforcement instead of the false narrative that you see in the three second edited clip. You know, the, the Columbus shooting where, where NBC decides to, to cut the 911 because, you know, she said she had a knife. Um, that's what happens if you let the mainstream media tell the story. So we focus very hard on telling the truth and, you know, the truth, good or bad. Like we put out bad, bad shootings before. Like sure. obviously the Brooklyn center was a disaster. You know, it was, it was an absolute disaster. We talked about that too. We'll show both sides. Where can people find, uh, find you first of all, and then, uh, and where can people uh, make sure that they see what you guys have to offer? You, you can find all of our stuff at redvoicemedia.com. It, the, uh, the home of Thin Blue Line TV is there, and we put out the, the OISs, the shootings, the, the BLM stories, all of the things that, that pertain to, to law enforcement news and the truth there. So redvoicemedia.com. Awesome. Ray, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. This year, over 50,000 law enforcement officers have been assaulted while on duty. A vast number of these attacks were filmed and uploaded to social media in the pursuit of likes and attention. What they want to do is film you instead of like, what can I do to help this officer? Together, we can change this disturbing trend. If that individual would have hit the right spot, you know, it, it could have been it for me. You know, last time I would have saw my wife, my kids. I'm Mike Solon. Law enforcement officers need your support. If you see an officer under attack, then follow these simple steps in order to help. One, call 911 and give the officer's exact location. Two, ask the officer if you can assist. If the officer accepts, then do whatever you can do to safely help. Three, if the officer declines, then start filming and be a good witness. It's time to stop filming and start helping.